Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. We've been talking for several weeks about how we as a church can be a church that is one that is giving, one that is willing to make sacrifices, one that is willing to be what a church has been called to do. And this morning I want to talk briefly on a topic of something that is of great importance for the church to be successful in its endeavors and its calling to God. You see, the gift of discernment is one of the nine gifts that we find in the Bible. If you'll turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 7. And we read this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. The question this morning... And some might argue, but are all nine of the gifts of the Spirit still in operation today? It is highly debated, but I am of the opinion that the answer is no, they are not. Why not? Why aren't they all activated? Remember this, the Christians in the early church did not have a Bible as we have today. God communicated with his church in four ways. First, the prophets. Then the apostles. Through languages and the interpretation of languages to God's people. Today, We have a Bible that is complete and there is no need for these gifts of communication. Today, God communicates to his people through the word of God. And Paul instructed every preacher to preach the word. So that's what we do here. We preach the word. To handle the word of God is a serious responsibility. That is, no one should claim that God said something when he did not say it. Take away something when he did say it. I would not like it, nor would you, if someone was going around adding something to what you said. We call that gossip, right? Taking away from something that we have said. And God doesn't like it either. Look at this warning in Revelation chapter 22. 
I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Again, it is a serious thing to preach God's word. It needs to be taken seriously. All over this nation, we have churches that have sprung up because one day a man or a woman decided to start a church for one reason or another. They go on to the internet and for 10 to $15, they get ordained. And for a little more than the internet, a little bit more money, they could get a college degree that is not worth the paper that it is written on. Preachers and teachers who do not know what the scriptures say, often take scripture after scripture out of context. And because of that, their knowledge of God's word is very limited. Even when they hear the word of God preached, they don't even recognize it as it is the truth. They don't even recognize it. For example, when you preach that some of the nine gifts are not in operation today, which I will so boldly say, not knowing the scriptures, some are quick to say, you don't believe in the gift of miracles and healings, do you? I certainly believe in the gifts of miracles and healings, but not in the way that is being done today. Not in the way that is being done today. I do not see anywhere in the scriptures where it says or taught that I have to send some TV preacher a thousand dollars to get my healing. I wholeheartedly believe that God miraculously heals people every single day. God still does amazing miracles, signs, and wonders every single day. But God does these things, but not through mankind. Some of the gifts in the apostolic church are not in operation today. For example, the word of God clearly teaches that the gift of tongues is not for today. And I know that's going to be controversial and I might get some of you approach me afterwards. That's fine. Let's dig together. Teaches that the gift of tongues is not for today. The Bible says tongues shall cease. In fact, if you'll notice in your King James Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, every time tongues is mentioned, it is listed as unknown tongues. And notice, the word unknown is always in italics. Why? Have you ever wondered that? Why is that? You see, the translators of the King James Bible put unknown in italics because they were being honest with you. They were being honest with you. As a reader, they want you to know it was not in the original manuscripts. You can see that in verses 2 
4, 13, and 14, and 27. Unknown is not in the original manuscripts. Tongues in the Bible means languages. There is no such thing as unknown tongues in the original manuscripts. So why did God give the New Testament church the gift of tongues? I think it's for two reasons. The first, spreading of the gospel. Spreading of the gospel. The Bible tells that every man heard the gospel in their own tongue. Pentecost attracted Jews from all over the world to Jerusalem to celebrate the annual festival. They heard the apostles' message in their native languages. In Acts chapter 2, verses 9 and through 11, mentions some that are mentioned by name. God said in Matthew 16, 15, the gates of hell would not prevent his church, but the first obstacle was a language problem. And on Pentecost, they heard the gospel in their own language, and 3,000 people got saved. God gave the gift of tongues for another reason. Secondly, it was for a sign. It was for a sign. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. When these, these people heard them speak in their own language, they knew it was from God. And they believed in Christ. And those 3,000 were saved. However, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Bible tells us specifically that tongues shall cease. I always find it interesting for those who claim that the gift of tongues is for today. And that they have the same thing they had at Pentecost before they send missionaries to foreign fields. They have to send their missionaries to learn the language of where they're traveling to. And on the day of Pentecost, they just supernaturally began to speak in the language of those different nationalities. This is all work through God, not mankind. God spoke to these people in their native language, not mankind. There is a need today for some gifts and not for others. The Bible makes this very clear. Again, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. We'll read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. And as for knowledge, it will pass away. Now, when you read that particular passage of Scripture, and you read the verse that to those who believe that tongues shall cease... They are also quick to point out that this same verse mentions that knowledge will just vanish away. It is the gift of knowledge that is in operation today. Why? Because we need it. We need the gift of knowledge. Has the gift of knowledge vanished? No, absolutely not. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, a little further down. In this same chapter, we read in, For now we see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, 
But then shall I know even as also I am known? What is Paul telling us here? What is he conveying? He's telling us now we see through a glass darkly. What's he saying? You see, but in the future world, or heaven as we'll call it, we shall know distinctly and clearly, and then the gift of knowledge, which we now possess as a gift, will appear so dim and so obscure that it will vanish away. But notice the word for tongues will cease. When it comes to knowledge... God used a different word for the gift of knowledge. He said it will vanish away. When will that happen? God's word tells us. But when that which is perfect is come, in other words, Christ's coming, then that which is in part shall be done away. Some of these gifts have ceased, and one day even knowledge will vanish in that grand and glorious place we call heaven. But another gift is still in operation today, and that is the gift of discernment. That is, in this age, we Christians need to, um, we need to focus in on that gift of discernment. We need the gift of discernment today to be able to, first and foremost, recognize false prophets. We need to be able to recognize that. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. I read it earlier in the call to, call to worship. I'll read again. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Today it seems that some Christians are the most gullible people on earth. They are quick to accept anything and everything. God said we are to try the spirits. At seminary, I was taking a course in homiletics, which is a fancy word of saying learning how to preach. Those who don't know what homiletics are, but basically learning how to preach. And while I was on campus, this class took place after morning chapel service. And after that morning chapel service, our professor, Dr. Kurovia, to teach the young preachers some things about preaching, he would often take apart some of the things that the preacher had preached in the morning chapel service. And when one of those preachers got word of this, he thought that was the most terrible thing that someone could do to somebody. But he later realized that it was to help us not make those same mistakes. This is what John is telling us as Christians. We should do and we should not just accept everything we hear as truth. Everything that I'm speaking to you this morning, you should not just assume it is the truth. Arlen? Thank you for last week. He pointed something out to me that was absolutely correct, and I was wrong. But that's the way it should be. We are not above reproach. We're not always going to get it right. 
but through God's dealing with us and God dealing with the church, he is warning us, saying, we need to do the right things. We need to do the things that he has called us to do to further his kingdom. That's what we call kingdom life. That is why we're sitting in the seats we're sitting. This is why I'm looking at you and you and you. This is why we're here. The scriptures make it clear that in the last days, there will be many false prophets. We are to try the spirits, that is, examine closely to see what the preacher says is exactly what God says, and examine closely if it matches up with the word of God. Why is it that God has to warn us about false prophets? Because false prophets are deceptive and they are dangerous. How do you say? It's because they use the same words we use in our church. Like prayer, miracles, Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Bible. And many think because they hear these same words, we assume that they are ministers of the gospel. These false prophets, they mix their doctrine in with God's word. They tickle the ears of what some want to hear. This is why when you see, I couldn't think of a better word, but hucksters like Benny Hinn, who prayed for a person and told him that the devil would never bother him again. You don't find that in the scriptures. In fact, we find it to be quite the opposite. On one program, he was seen taking his coat off on national television, and he started swinging it at the people, and they fell down as if the Spirit of God had knocked them down. Where do you find that in Scripture? This is like the so-called Toronto Revival and the Lakeland Meeting, where people were crawling on the floor, laughing like lunatics. Where do you find that in the Bible? This is like when those same revival meetings crawling on the floor and barking like a dog. I've seen some strange stuff on YouTube. I bet you have too. But where is all this in the scriptures? You cannot find any of those foolish things in the Bible. But yet, there are thousands at these meetings and claiming to be Christian, swallowing everything that is taking place, hook, line, and sinker. They claim to be Christians, but why aren't they examining these false prophets? If they knew what God's word says, they would know that these false prophets are doing things that are not scriptural. Back in the Old Testament time, if a prophet prophesied something and it did not come true, he was stoned to death. If this was still being practiced today, all of these salesmen, and I'll call them that to be nice, all of these salesmen would be stoned to death. We need the gift of discernment to be able to recognize these false prophets. They take 
two of the gifts and are constantly adding to the scriptures in two ways. The gift of tongue. They can say anything they want to say by adding things to the word of God by claiming what you hear is from Almighty God. In the New Testament, tongues were languages that people at Pentecost could understand. But when you challenge them about the tongues, they say it is unknown tongues. Listen, God would never want us to put our faith in something that is unknown. Period. There is no such thing as unknown tongues. The Bible only speaks of languages, not unknown tongues. The second way they add to the Word of God is through the interpretation of those tongues. After they claim you hear tongues, then someone interprets the tongue, and you are supposed to believe everything the interpreter says comes from God. That'd be like me telling you that, well, I don't even want to get into that illustration, but you know what I'm saying. God gave the gift of tongues, which is languages, back to them so the people from different countries would understand the gospel. So that we understand the gospel. But God no longer communicates with the gift of tongues and interpretation because we have the inspired, infallible, plenary word of God. It is right there in front of you. It is a dangerous thing when someone adds to the word of God and takes away from the word of God. I'm going to repeat this verse again because it, we need to heed the warning. Revelation 22, 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Do we still have prophets today? People are reluctant. They're like, no, we don't. There are no prophets today in the same sense that they were under the old covenant in the apostolic church. Again, before the canon of scripture was complete, God used prophets, apostles, tongues, and the interpretation of those tongues to communicate to his people. Today, we have ministers who preach the prophetic word of God that the prophets gave us. And again, no preacher should ever preach anything but the word of God. So why in a congregation where everybody speaks English, would they speak in what they call unknown tongues and then give it back in English? God is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of confusion. So why do that? We have everything that God wants to say to us in the Bible. And this is why Paul told Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. We don't have prophets today. We don't have apostles today. And why is that? Because of the requirements to be an apostle is to be able to say, I saw personally the resurrected Christ after he was crucified. That was the prerequisite. So none of us can claim to be an apostle, right? Amen. We don't have anyone who can say that. 
However, today's world, we have many men and women who claim to be an apostle. One example, Gino Jennings. I don't know if you know who this person is. Look him up. Gino Jennings claims that most things that women do will send them to hell. And I have a whole list, but I'm not even going to go through the list because it's absurd. Anything that a woman does is going to send them to hell. Sorry, ladies. We might as well join you because we ain't going to be much help after that. But he claims these things. He preaches these things. He proudly declares that he has never been to seminary. And if you ever heard him preach, you would agree with him. The Bible clearly states, we are saved by grace. But most of his preaching is based on works. And thousands listen to him claiming to be Christians as he spews this garbage out. If they knew the word of God and had the gift of discernment, they would not sit there and listen to that garbage that he's preaching. In his preaching, he just adds these things to the scriptures. And according to him, like I said, most women are going to hell. One of them was painting their toenails. Women, you paint your toenails? It's just absurd. We don't have prophets and apostles today. However, we have an abundance of false prophets. We have many false prophets whose messages appeal to the vulnerable. And who are the most vulnerable? The poor, the sick, and the uneducated. False prophets know that many of the poor desire to have wealth. And these salesmen tell the poor to send you $1,000 and God will bless you with wealth. Where do you find that in scripture? And I can remember when they asked for $100. Boy, inflation has really killed their things, haven't it? Now they're asking for 1000 They know that the sick want to be healed. They are getting rich off the sick and they... Their claim to healing is as fake as a $3 bill. We know this. Have you noticed that these fake healers are always claiming to heal someone that has an internal problem, but never an external problem that we can see or document? When is the last time you saw someone who was truly blind, someone you know as a fact were blind, and they, were, they had their sight restored? I only know of one way, and that is through God's healing and his blessing and in his time, not by anything that mankind can do. God can still do miraculous things, whatever and whenever he wants to. I believe in miracles, but I do not believe in these fake healers like we see on televisions today. Today, we need the gift of discernment. And We know this gift is still in operation today because God's word tells us in 1 John chapter 4, as we've read twice now. It tells us. The reason this gift is so important is because we use discernment to know good from evil, light from darkness, truth from lies. And again, to have the spirit of discernment is to have the ability to judge well. 
We get our English word aesthetic from the Greek word from discernment, meaning moral perception or insight and the practical application of knowledge. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, you don't have to turn there, tells us the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And then we're going and we're urged in Colossians chapter 2. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition and according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. The gift of discernment helps us guard against false prophets. Have you ever watched the religious stations on TV? There was a program which one of these individuals was preaching and they were thousands and thousands of people sitting there and listening. And those who are of discerning spirit wonder why. There are just thousands of them sitting there listening to the deception and the false teachers. But not one person would have been there if the people had the gift of discernment. You see, Satan is an artist at disguises. He really is. For every good thing God provides, Satan produces a counterfeit. Where there is Christ, there is the Antichrist. Where there is the gospel, there are false gospels. The person with the gift of discerning has an uncanny ability to detect right from wrong. In other words, they can spot a phony. They can smell a rat, as they say. The gift of discernment is more needed now more than ever. Many times in our Christian experience, we are too quick to embrace anything and everything that comes our way in the name of Christianity. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Imagine that you walk into a bank and you see that all of the customers are lying on the floor. The only person standing is a guy with a ski mask over his face and a gun in his hand. You also see that the bank teller is panicking and feverishly stuffing all the money into a bag. What would your, in, what would your keen insight tell you about the situation that was happening? Would a good judgment tell you about the fact that this bank is being robbed? Or we just dismiss it as, oh, just something that's happening. I'm just a part of it. If you have a certain type of color blindness, you can't tell a red light from a green light, so you can't discern whether to stop or go. That would be frustrating. Some of you might have color blindness, and you could probably attest to this. You can't discern green from red. And that, of course, is why they standardize the positions of the lights with red at the top and green at the bottom. They're actually two ways of interpreting scriptures. First, the most proper method is known as exegesis, or reading out loud the scripture. This is where you read a section of the Bible, and then you ask, well, what does that say? The assumption is that God has already communicated what we need to know. 
and we just need to discover it by studying the text. And the other method is known as eisegesis, or reading into Scripture. For example, the passage says nothing about it, but we might imagine it anyway. The trouble comes, of course, when we pretend that our insertion is the truth. We're adding our ideas to God's ideas. But there is another way of interpreting Scripture that is what the false prophets use, and that's narcissus. Maybe never heard of it. This is what happens when we put ourselves into the text. For example, narcissus makes Scripture about them, not about God. Today we live in an age when we need the gift of discernment to recognize false prophets. When the word of God says there would be many in the last days. But secondly, we need it to discern over false churches. In today's world, many believe that one church is as good as another. I don't believe that to be true. One doctor is not as good as another doctor. One builder is not as good as another. One plumber is not as good as another. So why on God's green earth would a person think one church is as good as another? In the book of Revelation chapter 3, we have the seven churches. And these seven churches represent the church age from the New Testament church until the coming of Christ. And as you look at these seven churches, some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. The first church, Ephesus, was a church that had their first love wane. They needed a, first, uh, a, a fresh love. The second church, Smyrna, was the church that needed courage because they were a persecuted church. Pergamos was a church much like today. It had a problem with tolerating sin. Thyatira was the church that was the permissive church. Sardis, the dead church, they had few saved, but they had died in their orthodox and rituals and allowed carnality of sin. Then there was Philadelphia, and revival began to sweep around the world. And this is pictured by the church of Philadelphia, the only church of which God did not scold in some way. Then there was Laodicea, and this was the church about which God had nothing good to say. But these seven churches in Scripture are proof that there are good and bad churches. And John mentions them by name. But this is not to say that our church is the good church and wherever you go if you're just visiting is a bad church. I'm not the judge of that. But we are to use the gift of discernment. The Lord had only one church that he had something good to say about, and that was the church of Philadelphia. So one out of seven. Not a good percentage. There are many good Bible-preaching, teaching, good stuff in churches today. There's lots of them. And if you attend one of these churches, I hope it's here, then amen. Amen. 
During the song service, you will hear songs that speak about death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You will hear in Sunday school lessons from the Word of God. You will hear sermons from the Word of God. And you will meet some of the most godly people who walk in leather shoes. But that's happening elsewhere too. And there's definitely people who have walked through these doors who did not. We have to be discerning. But you see, you have to understand that these things are not enough for the friendly seeker church. And we know all about those. I don't need to get into that. There are churches in the state that if you were to attend, it would be more like a rock concert or a nightclub. And they call this church. When you have the gift of discernment, you know that this is not a church. It is the will of God for every child of God to have the gift of discernment. How do you receive the gift of discernment? You ask for it. You ask for it. We have not because we ask not. We can pray for a heart of discernment as the psalmist did in Psalm 119.25. I am your servant. Give me discernment that I may understand your statutes. When we pray for discernment, we are to ask for it in faith like we would ask for anything. We have to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us. We never have to make a decision in life alone. We have the Holy Spirit with us to guide us. Final scripture. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 10 through 14. These things... God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Another way that we can discern what is right and what is wrong is by knowing the Word of God. Every day we need to take time to read and be in study in the Word of God. You need to come to church to learn, not look. Understand that. We come to church to learn, not look. Not say, boy, Rick wore that shirt last week. He didn't, by the way. We're not here to look. We're here to learn. Do not assume because someone hangs out a sign that advertises godly counsel that you're going to get godly counsel. 
Because they know that you would not go for counseling if they hung out a sign that says, Hey, come for some ungodly counseling. Let us throw you off track a little bit. Let's make it a little bit harder for you. If you are attending a Bible preaching and Bible teaching church, there should be some godly person there that knows the Lord and that knows the Word of God enough to give you some godly counseling. If there isn't someone there, you should find another church. So why do I talk about all this this morning? It's to say this. It is absolutely heartbreaking to see and hear what is taking place in this world. The so-called Christian world. We see thousands upon thousands in these stadiums packed out by men and women who have been led astray. We live in a very dangerous age in which we need the gift of discernment. We might be saying, no false prophet could lead me astray. And some of you might be in a place where you could say that and be very confident in that. But let me tell you, those thousands and thousands that are sitting in those arenas also said the same thing. They also said the same thing. So we need the gift of discernment in operation today, in our lives, in this church, especially today, because we need to recognize those false prophets. We need to recognize those false churches. And each day, we're confronted with situations that require a discerning spirit. We live in a world that mixes truth with error and attempts to blur the line between good and evil. But as children of God, we can be protected from that deception. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Dave, come and lead us. The right attitude begins at the cross. And may we each and every day, as we begin the day, do so, looking up and go into the world that we have a sphere of influence in and do this. Take up thy cross and
We thank you that we have a place here in which we can serve you freely. We thank you for the power and the wisdom that you bestow upon us so that we can further your kingdom. Lord, I pray that we're given a situation this week where we can allow you to shine through us. That we can speak to those who do not know you and do not have fellowship with you. That they will come to know you and to come to know life everlasting through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this day, for our time together. Keep us safe as we leave. And Lord, as always, everything that we say and do, let it be an honor to you. And all of God's people said, Amen. Have a great day in the Lord. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.